So we just pray for kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would you take the atmosphere that is happening right now in the heavenlies and release that into the atmosphere of this house? More than anything else, God, we just want the face of Jesus. We love the blessings. We love his hands outstretched to give us things. Thank you, Lord, for all of the gifts that you provide for us so generously. But more than your blessings, God, we want your heart. We want your face. We want you, God. If we could only have you, then we would have enough. And Lord, that's what we're asking you for. That's what we're coming together. Just for Jesus I love what Paul said, I don't need to know anything else except for Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified. Lord, would you make that our motto? Would you shift whatever you need to shift in our heart until our whole attention is completely focused on Christ and Christ crucified? Until we want nothing more out of this life than to bring glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Until we acknowledge you, our Savior and our Redeemer, as the beginning of every day and the end of every day. Lord, do whatever you need to do in me. Do whatever you need to do in us. Do whatever you need to do in this house so that you might receive more glory from us as a family. I love what Jesus said. I'm not, you know, I'm going to baptize you with fire. I like that. What about you guys? You know, when you receive a baptism of fire, here's what happens. Everything in you that God didn't put there gets burned up. Right? I love that passage. Our God is an all-consuming fire. Did you guys know that? You know what that means? That means heaven is hotter than hell. Right? You guys remember that story in the Old Testament where those three Hebrew boys got thrown into the fiery furnace? You know why they didn't burn up? Because what was on the inside of them was hotter than what was going on around them. And if anything else today, Lord, may you return us to our first love. And not just our first love, God, return us to our first fire. Is that too scary of a prayer? I feel like there's something on that. Do you guys feel that? What if you acted the same way you did when you first got saved? First of all, you scare half the people in this room. How did you guys act when you first got saved? Crazy, right? You told everybody about Jesus, right? God, light us up like that, you know? Let us just be unfiltered. Guys, when I first got saved, I used to do the weirdest stuff. And not just in church, in public. You know? Like I would. I used to go, you guys know, you guys know what rest stops are, right? Like you're driving on a road trip and there's a rest stop, right? I used to go to rest stops and stand by the water fountain and wait for people to come take a drink. And I would say to them, if you drink of that water, you're gonna thirst again. I'm, I'm dead serious. I did that, and people would be like, I actually don't want the water now. You know, like, I'm good. You're weird. Yeah, it's stranger danger, right? And I'd be like, can I pray for you? They're like, no, man. I'm like, let me pray for you right now. <laughs> Come here. Take my hand, bro. Take my hand. <laughs> I don't need prayer, you know. Like, you're going to get some prayer. I just acted strange, man. You know, and to be honest, I just think that we need a little more of that in our lives again. It's so easy to settle. It's so easy to get in a rut. You guys know what a rut is, right? It's a grave with the ends hollowed out. That's what it is. 
That's what a rut is. It's a place that you go to die, maybe not physically, but spiritually, maybe in your mind, maybe in your soul. And there's no death in this room this morning. This is a place that is completely full of fresh life in Jesus Christ. Can I get two good amens? So act like it. You know what I mean? Like, so act like it. How are you going to behave whenever that gate, that, those, the, you know, that, that gate is a 12-foot wall of Jasper, Revelation said. How are you going to behave whenever that wall opens up to you and you get to step foot into heaven for the first time? I can guarantee you will not be silent. Right? I can guarantee you will not be calm and poised and want to make sure that your behavior is presentable. That's how I think we need to step into church to be honest, is remembering the reality that without Jesus, we're, not, we're nothing and we're nobody and we have nothing and we are nothing. But since we have Jesus, we can remind the devil of his place in our world, which is he is under our feet. Maybe I'm more excited than you are this morning. I don't know. I might slay my own spirit this morning, you know. I'm going to lay hands on myself. No, it is. David said he strengthened himself in the Lord. Every now and then you just got to lay hands. Do you guys believe that? Yeah. All right. You guys want to hear a word this morning? You guys hungry? I'm going to go in. We're in this series right now on spiritual warfare, which I'm really excited about. The reason why we chose to do spiritual warfare uh, in February is because we proclaimed that in January 2019 was the year of the level up. And if you've been leveling up, say, that's me. If you haven't, but you're claiming it in Jesus name, say, that's me. Hey, I'm all about that name it and claim it every now and then. You just got to speak it out as though it were and bring it right into the present reality, right? 2019 is my year of the level up in Jesus' mighty name. Just got to say that sometimes. You know, but here's the deal. When you inherit your promised land, you're not going to show up to find it vacant. It's not going to happen. Joshua 1.8 says, wherever I put the sole of my foot, God has given me that place. Keep reading Joshua. Next 13 chapters, Joshua has to defeat 13 kings. People love to shout about the promise, but people complain about the process. You're going to have to kill some kings. You guys are not going to get excited about this. You're going to have to defeat some kings, you know, to take the property, to take the place that God has called you into. If you're going to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, that means you're going to be taking some territory from the enemy. And I can promise you this, that the enemy is well invested in maintaining the property that he currently has. And that's why we're talking about spiritual warfare. Because if you're going to advance, if you're going to level up, if you're going to be about your purpose this year in God's presence, if you're going to be about your goals and your resolutions, and you're not just going to forget about them and say, oh, it wasn't that big a deal anyway, it's fine. I can do another year like I did the last. I don't think there's anybody in here who wants to do that. We all want to improve. We all want to grow. We all want to get bigger. We all want to get better, right? All unto the glory of Jesus. But let me tell you, if you're going to do that, you're going to be resisted. Maybe you guys came for a nice, calm, quiet message today. But here's the thing. If you're going to do that, you're going to get resisted. Some of you guys have been getting resisted already. Some of you guys, I heard somebody this morning said, man, January was hell, man. You know, because the enemy is aware of what God has been releasing in the spirit realm over your life. Right? Do you guys believe in, uh, you know, angels on assignment? You guys believe in guardian angels? I believe in that stuff, man. I do. I do. I believe that. I believe that there are angels in the room right now. Do you guys believe that? I believe there are angels that are assigned to my life. I believe that. So if demons are fallen angels, don't you think that they can hear what 
The angels are speaking in the spirit. Don't you think that they're in tune to what God has released over your life in the spirit realm? Don't you think that they take the very promises that God has released over your life and tries to reverse every single truth that has been spoken and attack you in the very place that God has promised you breakthrough? Don't you think that that's what they're trying to do? You know, my pastor, he said, let me teach you how to prophesy. I was like, okay, I got my notepad. Was point one. He said, take whatever the devil said and reverse it. Take whatever hell's speaking over your life and reverse it. Because a lot of times the spirit world, man, they've heard what God has to say about your life, maybe even before you have. So wherever the area of your attack, understand this, it's an area of your anointing. Come on, I'm preaching better than you are saying amen this morning. Let's go, 10, 15. Hey, the greater the attack, the greater the anointing. That's all I'm saying. I got to get to this message. But listen, spiritual warfare is real. If you, if you believe that, say amen. Spiritual warfare is real, and it goes down in a different dimension. It's not that we wrestle against flesh and blood. This is what Paul said right? But it goes down in an unseen supernatural dimension. Do you guys believe this? Do you guys believe that spiritual warfare is real? It happens in the unseen and it's also spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not just, you know, swords and guns. The weapons of our warfare are our prayers, our time in God's word, in the scripture, studying, learning, growing in the Bible. I'm waiting for a few more amens on that. Right? That's the weapons of our warfare. And God is calling us to grow in this this year. I feel like there's just been something on consistency. You know, I feel like there's just been something on character. I feel like there's just been something on discipline. And people are quitting, pursuing their purpose out of temporary discomfort. But I feel like God's inviting the family to say, man, it's not about charisma that you're going to inherit your promises. It's about consistency. It's about discipline. You can get hype all you want, but I want to know who you are when the camera's not on you. I want to know who you are when nobody else is looking. I want to know who you are at 4 a.m. in the morning when you get awakened by a spiritual dream. You know, you say, no, I don't want it that bad. Or do you get up and you go to battle by connecting with Jesus Christ? Spiritual warfare, man, we're all called to level up. Look at your neighbor say, level up. So I gave a definition last week. I want to recap it. Spiritual warfare is not a war between God and Satan. I want to be very clear about this. Spiritual warfare is not a war between God and Satan. God has defeated Satan. Let's go. The war is over. It's good to remind hell of that every now and then. Spiritual warfare are battles between Satan and your connection. Everybody say connection with God. This is what spiritual warfare is all about. Satan really has one strategy. This is the sharpest tool in his shed. It is this, separation. It is disconnection. That is what the enemy goes after more than anything else is disconnection. And that's why it's often, it's, it often shows up in the subtle things, the small things, right? Because if it was a big thing, we would see him coming and we'd say, uh-uh, you ain't talking me out of my connection with God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in the scripture. I'm going to connect with Jesus Christ because I discern that an attack is on its way. A lot of times the enemy doesn't attack us in that way. He attacks us in the small, subtle things. He tries to do anything he can to distract us from the presence of God so that we discontinue the supernatural connection and the flow that we have with the Lord. Could be a little thing, could be a small thing, but he'll take anything he can get to separate you 
from your connection and your intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that's how I treat even the small things. You know, I, that's spiritual warfare. I say no to that. Nope, you're not going to stop me from praying. Nope, you're not going to stop me from my prayer time. You're not going to stop me from my date with my devotional. People don't think about devotionals as warfare. They think about it as being religious. But you know, how many guys know it's not, it's not religion when you're in love? It's, it's, I set a date with God and I intend on keeping it because I love him that much and he loves me that much. <laughs> you guys with me this morning? Yeah. So here's the thing. When the enemy cannot separate you from Jesus, which how many of you guys know? Good news. He can't. Praise God. How many of you guys know? There's nothing. No, no demon. No angel. There, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. You guys know that? That's the gospel. That is good news. And so the enemy understands this. Now, he tries to convince you otherwise. He tries to tell you that he can separate you. But here's the thing. He can't separate you. You guys all believe that, right? And so if he cannot separate you from your union with God, you know, you know what he goes after next? Your connection with people. Okay, so I can't separate you from Jesus. There's nothing I can do about that. So here's what I'm going to work on next. Separating you from the church. Yep, today is church as warfare. Y'all going to have to help me, okay? Because 830, 830 didn't help me a whole lot. And I was thinking, oh, man, is this the word? Okay, should I change it up, you know? But here's the thing. Church, coming to church. Come on, come on, 1015. Coming to church is an act of warfare. Sounds like you guys are with it. Coming to church is an act of warfare. Because here's what the enemy knows. As long as you're connected, he can't get to you. His whole goal is to separate you. His whole goal is to get you away from the family. His whole goal is to get you in isolation because he cannot kill you in community. He cannot take away anything from you when you're protected by the saints. The other people, he said, that doesn't sound like a word from God. That doesn't sound like a strategy from heaven. That doesn't sound like a direction that's healthy. That doesn't sound like a decision that's positive. How's, how, you know, how's that going to affect your family? How's that going to affect your faith? How's that going to affect your connection with Jesus Christ? We get all of these things within the context of community, and so the enemy works very hard to convince us otherwise so that we disconnect, get ourselves into isolation, and the only voice we're listening to then is his. Oh, you don't, you don't need anybody else. You don't need to get it, get off by yourself. This is why God leaves the 99 and goes to the one, because he understands the nature of what disconnection brings about. He says, no, 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 I can't have you disconnected from the family. I got to bring you back where you're protected. I got to bring you back where you're safe. I got to bring you back where you're connected because the enemy can't do anything to you so long as you're connected. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm connected to you. You came to church today. You look good today. I'm going to take you for lunch afterwards. If you're sitting next to your crush, I'm doing you a favor right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, just trying to help you. Just trying to help you out. But that's the thing. The enemy, he, know, he knows. He knows. I can't get between them and Jesus, so here's what I'm going to try. To get between them and Jesus' body. Yeah. I'm going to try to get between them and Jesus' bride. Yeah. 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 I, I'm reminded of, of a message I shared years ago, and honestly, it just came out of devotional time. If you read through Ephesians chapter 1, you can read through the first 10 to 12 verses, and you're going to read about a ton of promises that come as a result of your connection to the bridegroom. 
But I believe it's 1 and 18. I'm, I'm kind of pulling it out of the, you know, history books, okay? I think it's 1 and 18. It talks about the inheritance. In fact, it says the glorious inheritance that is within the saints, yeah. right? And so by being connected to the bridegroom, you get a ton of blessings. But there is a blessing that is reserved for your connection to the bride. There is a... There is a portion of your inheritance that is sitting in the person beside you. And unless you honor it out of them, you live below the standard of what Jesus paid for on the cross for you to live out. Does that make sense? So there's something, you know, a lot of times we're, when we're, at, we're, we're answering uh, or asking prayers, you know, for, before the Lord. Hey, God, I have some questions. I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm asking questions. You know, you know what I realize sometimes is that sometimes I will sit in prayer for hours and ask questions to God and get no answers when all the while the answer to the question I was asking is in my wife. <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying? You guys have been there before. You're like, God. Come on, Lord, I'm praying, I'm fasting. And he's like, go talk to your wife. No, Lord, I'm going to talk to you. No, the answer's in your wife. No, Lord, that would require me to be humble. Then I would have to be teachable. Then I would have to listen. Then I would have to learn something. Then I couldn't present myself as being the one that has it all figured out, that walks into the presence of God and gets every answer for his life. Right? So, and that's what I think. Sometimes the answer that you're looking for is not in the bridegroom. Sometimes the answer you're looking for is in the bride. Yeah. Sometimes you need somebody to lay hands on you and say, I, feel, I got a prophetic word for you. Yeah. You guys with me? Yeah. And that's why the enemy says, hey, you don't need church. You don't need community. And I, listen, I want, I want to be very, very clear today that I am not talking about the sole expression of church that you guys are experiencing today at Legacy Nashville. There are many different expressions, many different diverse expressions. It's a body, right? Some people are hands, some people are foot, some people are eyes, some people are nose. You know, there are many different expressions all over the world in many different traditions and many different cultures, and each one is the body of Christ. Amen? So when I say being connected to a church, I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church, but I'm also including the local church as a part of that expression. Are you guys with me? How many of you guys know that God places the lonely in families? That's Psalm 68 and 6. That is a promise from heaven. Now, what is the family of God? Let's ask that question. That's a really good question, isn't it? Well, how about I read you guys 1 Timothy 3 and 15. God's family is Wow. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. Man, it's int- that's not really a popular passage today, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they, they talk bad about church and, and they've had bad experiences in church. And, you know, man, I've had bad experiences in church too, but I still go. I had bad experiences before I met my wife with dating, but I still got married. Just because somebody mistreated you in your dating season, did you stop dating? Oh, I got quiet in here. Oh, well, I'm not dating anymore. That girl hurt me. I'm just going to accept it. I'm be alone. That's not what happened, right? You said, man, I mean, how many of you guys now, you look back at the girl that broke up with you when you were 19 and you rejoice. 
You say, man, thank you, Lord, that you did not let me marry that girl. I looked her up on Facebook the other day. Yikes. Thank you, Lord. You know what I mean? So, I mean, maybe your previous poor experience at a church could have just been a divine setup for the experience that you're having now or the experience that you'll have next. Don't stop dating. God has a designed covenant relationship for you to be in. He's got a designed family to place you in. <laughs> Some of you guys like that. He's got a divine church for you to be a part of. Do you guys believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. And I know some people look for, um, look for the church that brings them the most comfort. But don't pick your church based upon comfort. But pick your church based upon call. Where am I called to plant? Where am I called to be grounded and rooted? Where am I called to be connected? Where am I called to be plugged in? This is, all of us have this call because all of us are called to be sons and daughters, not orphans and lone rangers. And, and, and some people say, well, I'm just looking for the best community. Well, go to CrossFit. <laughs> they have a, or, you know, go, become a CrossFitter. Like, I heard, I heard a joke the other day. It's funny. I have a lot of friends who are vegans. But somebody said, if a CrossFitter is vegan, how do they decide what to talk about first? <laughs> I, I'm a CrossFitter for years, so it's funny to me, okay? If somebody does CrossFit, they tell you about it within the first minute. That's the point, right? It's funny. But joining a box, that's what CrossFitters call their gym. See, they have their own culture. It's like, a, it's like joining a church. <clears throat> you know, it's like there's all these things. You got to do the new members class. Then you got to do the foundations class. Then you got to learn how to participate. Then you got to learn the structure. Right? And so we've almost, we've almost lowered, you know, our standard of what the spiritual community called the church is to a community. And if you, if you Google that, okay, Google, what is community? It is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. This absolutely happens at church. However, this cannot be the sole purpose. Community is a byproduct of church. Community is not the goal of church. I know, that's a little brutal, isn't it? Because when we make community the goal of church, then the end goal of church is me. I come to church for myself. How many of you guys know that's not the design? The goal of church is not community. The goal of church is Jesus. The byproduct of church is community. As we pursue him together, we become a community because he knits us together. He binds us together. He's formed us together as a family. If we make the whole goal family, we may or may not accomplish that mission because everybody and their mama has a different definition of family. Well, I judge that we're not family. Well, I judge that we are. Well, who cares? Let's just pursue Jesus and let him define what family looks like for us and continue after him until we're so connected by his grace, by his love, that we're actually an expression that the world wants to be a part of. You guys with me? So I know a lot of people talk about community, but the goal of church is not community. The byproduct of church is community. The church has a purpose. The church has a mission. I believe that the church's mission is the mission of Jesus. You guys agree with that? What's the mission of Jesus? 1 John 3 and 8 says the reason, everybody say the reason. The Son of God appeared was to... That's, that's, that's battle language right there. That's warfare language right there. Like we have an assignment. We have a purpose. We have a reason. Yeah. 
Right? All right, let me read you guys a couple of, uh, couple of excuses that I've heard recently. Is that okay? Yeah. Is this too harsh? No. All right, so I hear some people say, well, I've had a bad experience at church, so I don't go to church anymore. Are you a Christian? Yep. Okay, Jesus says forgive. And I get it. If you're hurt, that's very valid. Let's walk it out. Let us ask for forgiveness. We would love to wash your feet and say, please, forgive us. Absolutely, 100%. However, if you're hurt for four, five, six, seven, eight years, that's a spirit of offense. Right? So repent and come home. Everybody say, come home. I, I hear some people say, well, why would I go to church? Because I can watch or I can listen to church content anytime by way of technology. I can get on YouTube and attend that church. Can I tell you something? That is a resource, not a replacement. Right? I mean, you can get offended by what somebody is speaking on a video and click to the other video. And then that makes it all about you rather than all about Jesus. And how many of you guys know that the goal of church is not entertainment? It's transformation, right? So every now and then you need to stay put long enough to listen to messages long enough that you don't like because maybe God is trying to grow you in an area that he really values. How many of you guys know you can't crucify yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like I could put the nail in my feet. I could put a nail in my hand, but I need you to drive the other nail into the other hand. In order for me to stay dead to my flesh, I need you to offend me enough times so that I learn to forgive. (laughs) We help each other, right? Stay crucified to ourselves and keep the main thing the main thing, which is, everybody said, Jesus. And then some people say, well, I've just got competing events. I've got too much going on. i got soccer. You know, here's the reality, man. Everybody makes time for what's most important. Everybody makes time for what's most important. And there is enough churches in this city, even if it ain't this one, that have churches on a, on, there's a good church service happening like every night of the week in this city. You know, if it ain't us, pick one. <laughs> just pick one. It's, it, you know, it's not about the set. It's, it's about Jesus, right? Or simply put, they'd rather just do something that's more fulfilling. And I've heard people say that, well, I just, I don't, I don't enjoy church anymore. I just rather do something else. Well, Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. I know there's a lot of reasons, good reasons, valid reasons, just reasons why people choose to leave church. But the question is this, is like, are you on fire for Jesus or not? It is a very easy question to respond to if you're being honest. What did you do when you first got saved? You probably went to every single event you could find in the city to go to church to because you couldn't wait to get more into God's presence, right? And so you know where you are. You know how to gauge that. And you, you have to ask yourself, okay, am I being complacent? You know, am I being apathetic? Am I being lukewarm? Am I giving up? You guys with me this morning? So even though, you know, church has been seen to be now less essential to a lot of people, loneliness has now become an epidemic. Epidemic. 
And so many people, you know, talk about being lonely, and it's no longer just a social condition. It's also actually a health condition. Let me read you guys a couple of headlines in, in a few different newspapers. Washington Post said, Surgeon General says that there's a loneliness epidemic. USA Today said, young people report mo- more loneliness now than the elderly. The Boston Globe said, the biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, it's loneliness. The New York Times said, the surprising effects of loneliness on health. The Atlantic said, loneliness begats more loneliness. The New York Times says, how social isolation is killing us. And then Slate says, social isolation kills more people than obesity. That's some some crazy headlines. Now let me read this quote from Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is uh, the United States' former Surgeon General. He said this, he, call, he called loneliness an epidemic. He, he has shown that loneliness causes an insidious type of stress that leads to chronic inflammation and an increased risk of heart disease, arthritis, and diabetes. Lo- this is his quote, not mine. Loneliness has the same effect on mortality than, as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's, that's wild. Does anybody sense a strategy here from the enemy? Hey, let's get you away. You know, we look at it as just a religious thing, but it's not just a religious thing. It's a holistic thing. He knows what disconnection will cost you, which is why he pushes you into that. Let me read a couple more scriptures. What does God have to say? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings. I get so quiet on this verse. Not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And I I got another scripture for you guys, and I I thought I would look at it from the standpoint of maybe how culture reads it. And, um, you know, this is another scripture. You guys can read along. Jesus came to save you from hell. He loves you so much, so long as you believe all of the right doctrines, then you join an elite community called the church. You never need to do anything more. In fact, don't worry about showing up all that often. After all, you don't want to be religious, and you don't really need anyone else to help you grow. That's from the book of First Opinions 22.12. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't put this in there, but it's the MSV, the Millennial Standard Version. That's it. Dang, I went for it. I went for it. (laughs) You guys like that? I thought it was funny. Look, there's usually areas of great breakthrough and blessing are shrouded by a ton of confusion because the enemy doesn't want you to have breakthrough in those areas. And so right now there's a ton of confusion about church. What is church? Should I have to go to church? Do I really need to go to church? You know, is church even relevant? You know, is church dying? I mean, I get all of that stuff in my inbox constantly, and there's tons of people who gossip and backbite and say terrible things about the bride of Jesus Christ. But here's why the church is always going to stay alive, because it's the body of Jesus, and he's already died and resurrected. He's not going to die again. So good luck rooting against the church. It's never going to happen. I'm sorry to say, like, if that's your posture, you should just jump on the other side while you still have a chance. And guess what? You always have a chance. So it's good news. Listen, let me, let me make a bold statement. Your church is tied to your purpose. Let me say it again. Your church is tied to your purpose. 
What you're called to do is connected to your church. Do you guys believe that? What you're called to do is truly connected to your church. And when you go to church, you engage in spiritual warfare. I know I've run over time, but I'm going to give you guys four quick points. Is it cool? How many of you guys are taking notes? Same four people. Man, you guys have been, you guys have been holding it down today, man. Love y'all. Let me, give you four, let me give you four quick points, okay? When you come to church, here's what you declare. Number one, Jesus is the most important person in my life. Before anyone or anything else, I must meet with Jesus. The reason I go to church is because Jesus likes to show up there. Number two, God gets my best, not my leftovers. Sunday's the first day of your week. You get the opportunity to give your first fruits to God by devoting the first day of your week to his presence. It's not an afterthought. It's not something that you sneak in at the end of the week. It's something that you push as being primary to your whole life. I must be in the house of God because I want God to get, get my best. Number three, I am a part of a God family. I'm not running solo fending for myself. I am connected to the body of Christ. I take a stand and I say no to isolation and I embrace the life-giving community that God has put around my life. My church is tied to my purpose. And here's number four. I am actively growing in my God purpose, not stuck, consistently confused about my life. Proverbs 18 and 1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. By coming to church, here's what I'm committing to. Growing constantly as I study, as I learn, as I grow in God's word and God's purposes for my life, not simply pursuing what is temporarily popular. Here's a few headlines for you to close. The National Sleep Foundation found that going to church regularly improves your sleep. So for those of you guys who are, you know, not sleeping well, come to church. Hopefully you don't sleep during my message. But hey, you know what? If that's the only place you can get it, take it. I'm not offended. You get your sleep, you get your rest, all right? How many of you guys know that we sleep a third of our lives? You think God doesn't want to talk to you during that time? Why do you think the enemy doesn't want you to sleep? Just leave that there. Uh, J-A-M-A, JAMA, psychiatry researchers found that church attendees are less likely to suffer from depression or struggle with suicide. Get this one. The Institute for Family Studies said that couples that regularly attend church together report happier marriages and, are y'all ready for this? It's in quotes, extremely satisfying sex lives. Felt the Lord on that right there. That's it. Hey. JAMA Internal Medicine reported that those that attend church statistically live longer. And in 1998, a link was discovered between older churchgoers and lower blood pressure. Wow, man, that's awesome. Isn't it just like God to connect you to what you need? You know, he just puts it right in. Hey, I know what you need, and I'm doing it within the context of family. 
Family has always been God's designed vehicle for world change. It has always been the case. The enemy has warred against it, warred against it, come against it for so many years. There's so many kids we have growing up today without dads, without moms. And I believe the church is the solution to some of those questions. And that is partially what we are doing as part of God's family as we grow together ultimately into his purpose. Church is an act of war and it should be taken that seriously. Look, if you, I've had so many people recently, this last thing I say, man, I just couldn't be there. I, I was traveling. I was out of, that's fine. You do what God has called you to do. But anytime you can, be in church. Be here. Because it's an act of war and it's the enemy's plan to get you out of it. There's a big difference between a reason and an excuse. A reason is something that you cannot control. Something beyond your control happened. There's a reason to miss church. An excuse is something that is within your control. There are reasons to miss church, but there are no excuses. There's no excuses.